Hi, I'm Brian Horn with Lawn and Landscape Magazine. Uh, we have a semi-breaking news podcast today. Last week, the Obama administration announced it will double the salary level under which workers must be paid overtime. Uh, the new regulation was issued by the Department of Labor, so we gave a call to Jason Cup, who part of his consulting business is HR-related. And, Jason, I think the ruling was about 500 pages, but I'm going to ask you to sum it up in one to two minutes. So give it a try. Cool. Hey, hey Brian, good to, good to chat with you. Yeah, yesterday, or last week was absolutely a whirlwind. Um, you know, it, it, it came down midweek. It was announced, um, I think it was on Wednesday, that the Department of Labor was going to put in some new regulations regarding overtime, which frankly probably impacts every single business owners in and out of the landscape space and everyone who's listening to this uh, to this podcast. So essentially, um, you know, now granted, I haven't read all 500 pages. I, um, I, I just got to the sweet sauce and I, I tried to make an understanding so that we could get down to the brass tacks. So essentially, um, it, it raised the cap in which um, employers have to pay overtime for salaried slash exempt employees. So let me unpack that. So it used to be that if you had somebody on your team that was paid salary, so that means they are paid an annual amount or a weekly amount or a, uh, or a monthly amount or whatever it is, and that amount does not change pay period to pay period no matter how many hours they work. So if they work 60 hours, they get paid the exact same as they work 20 hours, which a lot of landscape contractors have that in their business because it's a seasonal business. And, and so sometimes they say, okay, spring is going to be 50 hours and then winter is going to be 20 or 25 hours. So there's a lot of landscape contractors, people in the long care space that have salaried workers in their business. And um, the Department of Labor raised that salaried minimum wage to about $47,500. So it's actually $47,476. So what that means is, is that if you have anybody that's paid salary slash exempt, it means the same thing in, in most cases, um, th that all of a sudden those workers, so if you, if you have an office manager, let's say, and that office manager gets paid $32,000 a year, um, that office manager now is going to have to um, clock in and out of a time um, of, of a time card or a timekeeping device or a computer. And if they work over either you know eight hours in some states, there's three states that have it's over eight hours per day. Most of the states, there's 47 of them that uh, that it's over 40 hours per week. You're going to have to pay them overtime for that time. So if they work 42 hours in a week, you're going to have to pay them two hours of overtime, which before those two hours of overtime were exempt or those two hours over 40 were exempt from overtime compensation. So it's a huge deal that can actually cause a very negative effect on businesses that have employees that are on salary that are exempt that make less than $47,500 a year. What was the motivation uh, behind doing this? Well, if if you know me, you know that I I, I veer from talking about anything um, in detail relative to politics. Um, right. So, so I will I will say that I believe this is political. I think the timing of everything um, is kind of the maybe a little bit of a swan song um, to the current um, administration and the executive branch in Washington D.C. 
you know, if, if you've followed anything related to HR, you've listened to any of the podcasts that I've done for Law and Landscape or read any of the articles, the, the uh, world of HR and the Department of Labor world has changed dramatically in the last seven and a half years um, to, to the point where it's a much different environment for small business owners, especially in terms of rules and regulations and things they have to follow. So my guess, and I don't know exactly, my guess is, is to try to put more wages into um, into people's pockets um, that are you know that are in that you know twenty four thousand dollar twenty four thousand six hundred and sixty dollars which was the old number up into the forty seven thousand five hundred dollar range in terms of salary so that that's my guess I don't know exactly the reason why there's lots of speculation out there um, and, and I right. think that it is also ironic considering that we're in the middle of a presidential election right now that the new law goes into effect on December 1st. So that's one thing that I want everybody, Brian, to recognize that this is not, you, you don't have to change your practices tomorrow. You've got about six months until you have to um, have some, some different elements in the way that you, uh, you record keep and the way that you pay your employees and the way that you track overtime. Now, can this be changed? Can either A, the Obama administration maybe even reduce it to $35,000 or change something, or would a new president be able to come in and just kill it altogether? Yeah, so I, I, so I don't think there can be many easy changes, because here's the history of this, just real quick, is that th this was published in the National Registrar, and, and people were able to give comment to it. And unfortunately, given a lot of the things that were going on in the industry and a lot of things that were just going on in small business, it didn't get a lot of traction. Um, so there weren't a lot of people out there that were arguing this point on Capitol Hill, unfortunately. So this has been something that has been um, proposed for quite some time. So, so it's not it's not a surprise. I got to tell you, it was a surprise to me last week that it was like, okay, here it is. Um, <laughs> so to make changes to it, they'll have to republish that. They'll have to be you know an, another element um, of, of feedback that's given kind of the whole political process, which is messed up to begin with. Now the answer to your question. Um, your, the second part of your question is is that depending on who makes it into office, who, who will what get sworn in in mid-January, um, all of the HR rules that we've learned to operate from, including this, could change. It's just not going to be an overnight sensation because a lot of times, especially if the executive uh, branch moves to the Republican Party, if it moves to the Republican Party, then what's going to happen is is the, the, the likelihood of, of a new director of the Department of Labor will, will be probably pretty high. It would be my guess. Of course, you never know on Capitol Hill. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, all, uh, it's all speculation. And so then right. that new director of Department of Labor could, could begin to enact things which are more aligned with the Republican agenda. You know, So, it, mm -hmm. so it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a challenge, and that's why I tell people in the world of HR, like everything that you know that it is today, a year from now, it could begin to change. So they can start preparing right now. It could get to December 1st. All these rules can go in place. Companies would abide by them. And then, you know, sometime from then, maybe a year or six months or whatever, those could actually start changing again. That is true, yes. It could. Sounds like a headache. It could. It is a headache, you know. And, 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 and i got to tell you, I mean, I, I've, I've spoken on this line before um, with your colleagues about, about how um, the world of HR is just a scary one right now, especially if you're in small business, especially if you're running, you know, the typical landscape company that's got a handful of employees. The the regulations that you have to follow, now this being one of them, 
is pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Now, I got to tell you, the smaller businesses, the chances of them having an employee that's on salary and that's exempt, and if they're following the letter of the law that has been the letter of the law for quite some time, is probably pretty rare. So this is probably going to affect a mid-sized business that has maybe a salesperson, that maybe has an account manager, an operations person, an office manager, a designer. All of those jobs, if they make less than 47500 bucks, are in jeopardy of overtime. So the, the, the real impact to me, to the industry, is on the seasonality nature of the industry. You know, as, as, as you and many others probably know, I ran a design build firm myself for about 25 years. And, and you know, we had designers. They would work they would work like crazy this time of year. I mean, it's May. It's May in the landscape industry. Everybody wants their right. backyard to be designed. But then in December and January, they didn't work that much at all. Well, I'll admit mm-hmm. I had my, my designers on a, on a, on a uh, salary plus bonus and commission structure. And, and quite frankly, this would cripple my business because sometimes when the grass is green, we got to cut it, you know, <laughs> both figuratively right. and not. And so, you know, so my designers might be putting in 50, 60, maybe even in some peak weeks, 70 hours a week doing design. And now those 30 hours that are over 40 would be subject to overtime uh, pay, which is significant. That is right, absolutely significant. Because you wouldn't be able to make it up in November and December. You'd be out of cash. You, you, well, yeah. I mean, not only not only would you – not only is the pricing structure built, I mean, most business owners that know their numbers are building a pricing structure based on their overhead. You know, so their overhead would be the salaries of these people that we're talking about, which now the rules are going to change. So the thing is, is not only do business owners need to figure out how to afford it, they need to figure out how to charge their clients for it. And that's the unfortunate part, is that this is going to cause the cost of services to go up. And if business owners are not raising their prices, if this does go into effect, which is going to go into effect, um, if they're not raising their prices and understanding the cost impacts to their bottom line in terms of overhead costs, um, th- then then they're going to lose. They're going to not make as much money in the next year because they're not going to have these things in in place. Um, so, and the truth is, is they won't make it up because here, here's the here's the problem with a seasonal industry like what we have, um, Brian, is that is that so let's say the designers let's just use the designers as an example let's say they're logging 60 hours a week in peak season and let's say in november december and january they're logging 20 hours a week you're still paying them 40 hours a week it's not like you right. get to take it's it, it's it, it's a little bit offensive because you have to pay the employee more for when they work over 40 but you can't pay the employee less when they work under 40 right because their salary well, exempt <laughs> can there can there be an amendment in this uh, involving seasonal workers? Not that I'm aware of. I've asked that question of my HR folks, and at this point, I don't see any amendment to um, to seasonal workers. Now you can hmm. you can choose as a business owner to reduce their pay. You can say, hey, you know what? We're reducing your pay in half because you're only going to work 20 hours a week. Um, so, but I mean, I don't know too many employees that are going to be really happy about that. And and the truth of the matter is, is a salaried employee isn't the true definition of a seasonal worker. It's not like the field laborers who, by the way, field laborers cannot be, there's no legal way, just 
so that everybody that's listening to this can know there's no legal way for a field worker to be paid salary. So this can affect field workers because the laws and how to determine whether or not somebody can be salaried, it's very, very, very difficult unless you have a very large firm to have anybody out in the field be paid salary. They have to be paid hourly. So, so the truth of the matter is, is the salaried employees are technically not seasonal workers because they don't go off the payroll for a period of time or or anything like that. That would be more of an hourly employee person. And so it's a little bit of a challenge because the assumption is, or at least you know, my knowledge of the industry, and I've got a lot of clients that are in this space, that you expect that when you're a salaried person in management, that you're probably gonna work a little less hours in the winter time if you're in a winter market than you did in the springtime and the fall time when it's really, really busy. And it kind of all equalizes out to that full-time yeah. element of 2,000 or 2,200 hours a year. Mm-hmm. Well, so what can uh, landscape companies do in in the near future, in the next month or two, to start preparing for December first? Yeah, I mean, so so there's 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 two logical things um, that that people can do immediately, and the first one is is to change the way that their employees are compensated. They can take those salaried employees and they can put them on hourly, and that means that that those employees are going to punch a clock and you're going to pay them hourly based on the number of hours that they work, including overtime compensation, of course. But then in the winter time or when things are a little bit slower and they work 37 hours versus 40, you only pay them for hours worked. So that's mm-hmm. one option. The other option is um, is to raise the person's salary to the forty seven thousand four hundred and seventy six level. You know, so if you you have an employee who's making forty six thousand and the review's coming up, you might just say, "Listen, we're going to put you at forty seven five, or we're going to put you at forty eight, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be, to be able to be over the threshold so that it's not an issue any longer." The problem exists is what do you do for the thirty two thousand dollar a year employee? Because you certainly most businesses can't afford just to give them a $15,000 raise just because it's not in the budget. Landscape companies typically are on razor thin margins as it is. So, um, so on those cases, it's probably best to convert them to hourly and to try to manage the overtime. That's And then the third thing is, is manage the overtime, literally tell your employees that they cannot work overtime unless it's approved in advance. And then you can keep, and then you can keep the salaries the same. But then my concern about that is the seasonality of the business. Um, and, and how how time demanding it can be in the spring and fall. Right, and the weather. I mean, if you have to work a twelve, fourteen hour day, I mean, or if something goes wrong on a project, that all would factor in as well, wouldn't it? Uh, cor- cor- correct. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. And so, I mean, it's something. I mean, here, here's the thing. It's something that most business owners, well, not most, all business owners really, really, really need to look under the hood. They understand. They need to understand what their true costs are. They need to understand the time that their employees are putting in. And here's the other thing. Most business owners, since they're not having their salaried employees clock in and out, have no clue how much time someone's working in a given week. And so they can't even right. make good assumptions based on historical data because they can't go back and say, oh, gosh, you know, Dave the – Dave, the account manager, you know, he always worked 50 hours a week from March until June, and then that dropped to 40 hours a week. And then over the wintertime, he worked 20 hours a week. That all comes out to be this, and this is the number. This is the new number for Dave with the overtime regulation. So a lot of times that data isn't present because it hasn't been collected along the way because it hasn't needed to be collected um, right. when you had somebody that was in a salaried exempt position. And then say you have a $40,000 employee, this last question, who um, has to travel has to go wherever uh-huh. they yeah. go to GIE Expo or something. They they go on a trip. 
um, you punching in when you leave and then punching back in when your plane arrives or you get back from your trip? Um, no, that's not the way that it works. You, you only, okay. you, you, you basically are required to pay for travel time. So you do have to pay for the plane trip or the vehicle trip, and then you have to pay while you're actually working. So if, you know, let's use the GIE Expo, because obviously you and I are there every single year and have been for as many years as I can remember. You know, so mm -hmm, if, if, right. you, uh, if, if you drive four hours, let's say you're in, you know, four hours away, you drive four hours, you got to pay your employee to be in the car. Then mm -hmm. um, they get up the next morning and they go to breakfast with champions within ALP, and then they go the distance all the way through the evening, and they end up at a reception at 9 p.m. You've got to pay them for 14 hours worth of work plus the four hours of travel. Now, once they're done and they're with their buddies, you know, maybe watching the baseball games, the you know, the World Series and the playoffs are always going on at the same time or whatever it might be, that's their time. You don't have to pay them for that because the assumption is they would go do that at home on their own. So, but if, right, you know, if it's required for work, you've got to pay them for it. So GIE Expo for somebody in this position, I mean, gosh, I mean, you, you know what your schedule's like. I know yeah. what mine's like. I go, I go 18 <laughs> hours a day at that thing. Sure. You know, I'm going to rack up 40 hours in in three days. Two even. and a half days, yeah. Yeah, two, yeah, two, two and a half days. You're exactly right. So, so it, it, it it's going to create a large problem. Um, you, you know, and, and, and I think the question a lot of people are saying is, number one, what do I have to do to get my business to be compliant? We talked about that. The other thing is, is what can I do to voice my concerns? You can always, I mean, I'm a big proponent. I've been fighting these small business issues on Capitol Hill for the last 15 years of my career. You can always write a letter to your senator or your congressman or congresswoman and say that you vehemently disagree with this, that it's going to cause irreparable harm to your small business, that it's going to cause you to lose money. You're going to have to borrow money to stay in business. You're going to have to rethink your growth plans, all of those things to let the congressmen and women and the senators to realize that this is going to cause irreparable harm to your business. The impact, I mean, at least they'll have it logged that you, as one of their constituents, um, you know, disagrees with the law, disagrees with um, the, the, the change that's going to go into effect, and that will play if there is a change especially if there's a change on, you know, which side of the House the executive branch is, who, who becomes president, you know, in November in the election and then takes office in January. My guess, my gut, my gut tells me that a lot of these things that small business owners have had to play around with and, and have that have been, you know, regulatory issues are going to slowly um, be, be repealed for, for the benefit, um, for the benefit of the employee and the employer. I mean, I got to tell you, if I'm an employee, because a lot, we've talked a lot about the impact of the employer if I'm an employee and I've been paid salary, number one, I want that check every two weeks. I want to know exactly mm -hmm. what it's going to be because I built a budget around it. I want to be able to take guilt-free time off in the wintertime, and I don't want to have to become a record-keeping you know, guru. So right. this, this doesn't benefit the employee either. You know, there, there's been some people who have been very critical to say that when they hear these opinions that it's all pro-business owner. It's not. It's pro-employee too. You ask a salaried employee if they want to start logging every single hour, whether they want their check to fluctuate payroll to payroll and whether or not mm -hmm. they want to realize that their pay could go down drastically in the wintertime, my guess is you're going to hear three big fat no's. No, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. And no, I don't want to. And so it, it affects the worker as well because now all of a sudden your hours could be reduced in wintertime. The holidays are there. You might be taking that vacation. You might be taking, you know, time off with your family, you know, staycation, sure. whatever it is. And all of a sudden, your checks are half or one third of what they are because of this regulation. So it's going to force right. 
going to be forced most Americans to become better money managers, which, quite frankly, you and I both know the statistics are that most Americans aren't great with their money. So it really right. is going to create a, 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 a negative effect, in my opinion, on the global economy versus a positive effect. Sure. Well, it's definitely going to be an interesting six to seven months. I'm sure we'll be in touch over that time to, to keep updates on this. But, Jason, I really do appreciate your time today. Yeah, you bet. You bet. No, no problem at all. And um, let me know if anything pops up, and I'll let you know if something comes across my desk that I think you guys need to know. I'll be sure to send you guys an email, and you can get it out to your readers because this is a big thing. It's going to affect anybody that's running a small business. Absolutely. All right, Jason, thanks a lot for your time. You bet. Take care. Have a good one. 